I have set up a listener support link and you can find the link in the show notes. This is for those of you who want to support the podcast with a monthly monetary donation. There are three different levels that you can sign up for, and they range from 99 cents a month to $9.99 a month. So if you are curious, the link is at the bottom of the show notes. Sleep when the baby sleeps. Just, I mean, it just literally should never be said because it's not something that can actually happen. Because I didn't have the baby that slept well at all. She was more of the like cat napper. Like I never had to wake her up. They're like, oh, make sure you wake a baby up to nurse them. Don't let them sleep longer than three hours. And so those, those were some of the expectations also that I had. And I was like, that also was not the baby that I had. And that's not to say that there aren't babies that are like that. And maybe I was just had my blinders on to some of the advice to prepare myself for this, this baby. (laughs) Maybe someone did say they're never going to sleep. They'll only take 45 minute naps. And I just didn't want to hear it, but I'm pretty good about like keeping my expectations middle ground and even my middle ground expectations were like out the window. (laughs) Hello, I'm Jill Sutton, and welcome to Living Her Legacy, a podcast that features heart-to-heart conversations between mamas who are navigating everything that changes after having children. Right now, let's give ourselves grace to change, to let go of what no longer serves us, and unapologetically take up space. This knowing and owning our self-worth is the key to living a fulfilled life, our best life. Don't just leave a legacy live one. Hello, and welcome to Living Her Legacy podcast, episode lucky number 13, where we talk to mamas who are living their best life after starting a family. Before we get started, I wanted to mention a special deal that is happening for my listeners. I am a huge fan of Plain Products, a company that provides bath products such as shampoo, conditioner, body wash, lotion, now hand soap and hair styling gel, beauty oil, Their products are all vegan and cruelty-free and come in aluminum bottles with prepaid return labels so you can send back the bottle when you're finished to be sterilized and reused. I have been buying their products since 2019 and just recently joined their brand affiliate team. They have given me a 20% off discount code that can be used site-wide on your entire purchase. All you have to do is enter Jill20 at checkout. That's J-I-L-L-2-0. But wait, there's more. (laughs) Twice a year, they offer free shipping, and you can use that code in addition to the 20% off code. Yes, the codes are stackable. So not only 20% off using Jill20, but also you get free shipping using the code FREESHIP23. That's F-R-E-E-S-H-I-P-2-3. These codes can only be used together March 20th through the 22nd. After that, the free shipping goes away, but you can still use Jill 20 for 20% off your purchases after that. I'll put all the information down in the show notes. You don't want to miss out on this deal. Okay, let's get to the show. Today, I'm blessed to talk with Carly Zimmerman, a colleague of mine, a physical therapist who is in her first year of mamahood. She shares her pregnancy journey and birth story, and we have a candid conversation about expectations, anxiety, and some of the changes that come with having a baby. I'm really excited about today's episode as it's a bit different pace of our normal episodes, and I really hope you guys enjoy. 
Hi, Carly. Welcome to this podcast. (laughs) I'm so excited to have you. I'm just really excited to be talking with you again because it feels like it's been forever. (laughs) It has been. Yeah. Yeah. I would love it if you would just kind of introduce yourself, tell us who you are, maybe where you're from, what you do. And that just kind of gives us a little heads up on who you are. Yeah. So my name is Carly. I am a physical therapist by background. I grew up in Missouri. Well, I was born in Florida, grew up in Missouri, and then moved out to California for three years. And now I'm in Nashville, Tennessee. Um, Like I said, I was a PT for about seven years and then ended up wanting to switch roles, I guess, in the healthcare industry. And now I work for an insurance company and I get to work from home. And um, that's been really great for other reasons. And that is how I met Joe. <laughs> yeah, we work together, which is fun. We actually train together and you are just coming back from maternity leave. So that's kind of where I'd love to kind of dive in with you. Seeing that the podcast is really geared towards moms and mom life after starting a family, just because so much changes when you yeah. start your family. <laughs> Priorities change, your values change. I feel like like really you just kind of wake up a new person. So I'd love since you're kind of in the middle of it, let's kind of go back a little bit into talking about Charlie. Yes, Charlie. birth Charlie story. Yeah. And maybe just like give us an idea of your expectations and maybe like your preparation or what you did kind of getting ready towards the birth of your daughter. Yeah, I can go through that. So Charlie is six months old as of two days ago. And she, when we first got pregnant, we actually got pregnant and then ended up having a miscarriage for that first pregnancy, which was devastating. And you kind of work through that. I mean, I wouldn't say that it didn't affect me, but I think I just had a lot of good support through that. Hmm. With that being said, you know, I was thinking I was pregnant up until like my first appointment, which was at nine weeks. So I already had started thinking about like preparing for a baby and I was already surprising myself about being like going down a different course than what I always thought of going to the hospital, getting your epidural, having your baby and just very like standard or what, you know, you think of as like standard, like birth prep and like labor prep, like what I was thinking. But I got this book that it kind of opened my eyes. It was was like this natural holistic kind of way to go about pregnancy preparedness. And um, even before you become pregnant, like what vitamins you should take and all these like certain things. But the whole first chapter is like, why it's good to do natural childbirth. And I even skipped that whole first chapter. I was like, I'm not going to do that. I'll do all the other stuff. But like, I'm definitely getting an epidural. (laughs) (laughs) But so I was doing that for a little bit. And then obviously we had our miscarriage. So I had some time to just kind of not think about it for a while. And, but then we got pregnant not too long after there. So if anyone has dealt with that, realize that it's common a lot more common than you think it is. It's something that you wish you would know before, but like, who's going to, who's going to Google what could go wrong (laughs) in pregnancy. So you do learn about it when it happens, but just know that it does happen to quite a few. Yeah. I think the percentage is like one in four. Yep. So like 25%. Quite common, unfortunately. And that's probably a people who report it. So Mm -hmm. likely higher than that so I think after like going through that and then you know having your next pregnancy feel a lot 
obviously there's a lot of anxiety around it for me at least. And then you just feel a lot more grateful, I guess, or I did, you know, I'm not saying that that's Mm -hmm. how you would experience it, but that's how I experience it. So I think I just like nosedived into like how to be most prepared and like, what's the best thing. And I think when you, as I'm saying it being like the best thing, it's not the best thing for every mom. Don't think that is coming out of my mouth. (laughs) But for me and like the research I did and like the kind of phase I was in, like I really needed to focus on being like low anxiety. And I think this like going down a natural path was what was going to work for me. And I really enjoyed it. I think my pregnancy luckily was really easy (laughs) too. I didn't have a lot of morning sickness or like anything associated with that, I think, but being pregnant and having the anxiety of like all the things that go wrong were still very real. So yeah, I just did like a lot of meditation, positive thinking, changing up the scary words of like, even pain is a word that you just didn't like use or think about was really helpful. And I really enjoyed all of it. I mean, I can go into more detail about what I did, but I would say those are like the big things is really just like my mindset. And yeah, I just like, I didn't know I had one person whenever I was in grad school, this like lady, I worked in the front office of a PT clinic. She had three kids, I think. And I'm like 20 three years old. Right. And she's like, I love being pregnant. I would be pregnant again. And I was like, this woman is not like, she is not, what is she talking about? But I think I totally get it now. And not everyone experiences that, but that was my experience. And it was, I think it was really great. So. So good. (laughs) Now there are a couple different natural childbirthing like programs out there. Did you take any coursework or did you just read the book? Um, yeah, this one specifically, it's called the Mama Natural. What I liked about it was it's like a comparative to like what to expect when you're inspecting. I think I didn't ever read that one, but it does kind of go through a week by week kind of development and like gets you thinking about the things kind of when it's appropriate to think about them. Because me as someone, my Enneagram is a six. So if anyone knows what a six is, we are planners. We're, if we're not in the healthy six, we're worriers. So (laughs) you try not to worry. So you think about everything all at once and that's like not super helpful. Anyway, so it's not just about like what's going on with your body. They'll be like, oh, in, in this, you know, in week 10, this is, this is what's going on with you and your baby, but why don't you consider start talking about FMLA and like, you know, just kind of like helps guide you with other things too. So I did that. I also did get a birth doula, which came with two prenatal sessions. So she did a lot of education at her and we went through like birth plan preparedness and all that stuff. And then also I did go to a midwife practice, which I think guides you a lot, a lot easier down the natural path. But no, I didn't, I didn't specifically do like hypnobirthing, but I did listen to a lot of like hypnobirthing podcasts. I listened to a lot of birth stories, which was really Mm -hmm. helpful. There's one specific podcast, I think it's called the hypnobirthing podcast, where Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. she doesn't just give you the natural home birth, lovey, feel good story. She's like, this is, this is a story about from this mom who wanted a natural birth, ended up in C-section. This one was 
Mm-hmm. Most of them were wanting to do natural birth that ended up some such and such, such and such. But so that was helpful to you just to realize that, I don't know, you're not a failure if you don't do it naturally. You're not, mm-hmm. you know, you have options and every option is a good option, you know. So I would say, yeah, listening to birth stories, reading that book, just like positive affirmations, just were all like super helpful. So then it comes time to it. And let's oh, yeah. let's talk about the birth of Charlie. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> I'm not going to give away any spoilers, but because I'll say it here in a little bit. It, I say that because it was a long, long birth story, <laughs> meaning she took about 48 hours from start to finish to enter the world. You know, I started having contractions, started timing them. That was starting like late, I guess like early morning on Sunday, but like 2 a.m. on Sunday. So by the end of Sunday night, I had them like frequent, the frequency and the intensity and all the things that I thought was going on, went to the hospital and they were like, nope, you're only two centimeters and 90% of face. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, what did right. I go through? And I was like, okay. Um, and I will say something interesting, even having a midwife, you never get still the same midwife, just like you're not probably going to get the same physician. As holistic as they are, I, I think that first encounter with that first midwife was a little bit deterring. I think I felt like I was like kind of talked down to, like, oh, all first moms come to the you know hospital early, and I was like, okay, well, bye. you know, like I just felt really dumb, even mm-hmm. though I know there was tension. And they kind of were all already like, "Do you want to go home on these meds?" I'm like, "Meds? <laughs> like that? Like that? My birth plan is not to have them. What are they like?" And so it was a little rushed. It was so it was, and it was like I think all in all, like a really disheartening like first experience. Plus, to realize I'm not in active labor, and I just had that whole thing go on. So, but my doula was there, and she's great. So again, I can't stress enough. Like a birth doula is just helpful to navigate that whole situation where she's like, that was a little inappropriate, wasn't it? I'm like, yeah, it was, you know, and we get to like talk things through. Yeah. Then I went home and like labored all night, Sunday night and did curb walking and the mile circuit. Like, I mean, I did, I felt like I was, could do this. And I think I still could have, but I do think my anxiety like got the best of me just from worrying about her for the most part. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of my friends that I know that have wanted to do natural and didn't end up doing that had these really long labors and really had an unpleasant experience, I think, with their childbirth. And I really wanted to avoid that. And I, I was like, even if I go to the hospital and like we end up with this, you know, all the interventions. I just, I can't sit around and sit in this house anymore and labor anymore. <laughs> like, yeah. I called them at noon on Monday. They were like, well, do you want to come in for a check? So we went. My doula didn't come to the hospital this time because we're just like, we didn't really know. Um, well, I also thought maybe my water broke and you can't ever know for sure. So, because I was like, oh, I think I had the trickle water breaking and I know you need to deliver within a certain amount of time. And yeah. So I think I just, as much as I tried to stay focused and calm, I was just like ramping myself up. (laughs) So we get to the hospital. I'm still two centimeters. And I was like, this is nuts. Like what is going on? And 
I had a really lovely midwife. I ended up being able to consent to a membrane sweep, by the way. I think that's another empowering thing is that you're able to like consent and not just be like told this is what you're going to do. Because they wouldn't admit me until you're in active labor, which is four centimeters, or if you're going to go and be in, you know, get some Pitocin or some sort of like medical intervention to, um, to have your baby. So she's like, I'll do the membrane sweep. And then they let me labor and triage for like an hour. Just and um, cause otherwise they're just going to kick you out. Like they right. keep you around. So I like labored around. And, and luckily after an hour, she came back and she's like, you are just, you're just barely four centimeters. That's great. We'll admit you. And what I really wanted was the tub. Cause I have mm-hmm. a regular tub at home, but it's not deep enough. And, and to really experience it, you need like full belly immersion, like deep water and they're like you're in luck we have you know great you can be admitted you're in luck we have a room that has a tub yada 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 and I was so excited but it's like 1 p.m but they didn't have the staff to admit me to the floor so I was just sitting there and there you know I was laboring like and it's it wasn't like the ER, ER triage. Luckily they have like a labor and delivery triage. So at least I have my own room, but I'm like hands and knees. Like that was like my position that I could like get through the contractions with. And, but I did that in triage for like six hours. Oh my goodness. And they're like, finally, like, you know, finally got the room. So we went up there, got in the tub like immediately. And I was able to, I fell asleep <laughs> like in it was weird and amazing all at the same time because it was just cool to experience. Like they call it nature's epidural. And I was like, there's no way like you just don't feel pain just from being submerged in water. But I was sleeping for a whole hour, which was crazy. So I got out of the tub cause I was at that point. So I think they were ramping back up again and got another check. And I was only at like six centimeters now at like 8 PM. And I think the tub slowed my labor down, which it should have obviously. And I needed the rest, but that, you know, with that being said, obviously, you know, I would have had to ways to go. <laughs> and I was like, you never know. And I was like in between contractions, cause it wasn't the pain for me. I was just like, I think it was just my nerves. I was like, I just need to, you know, I just want a meter. And my doula and my husband were both like knew my plan, but they were also like, She's like, most people are going to ask for the epidural, like during a contraction, during like high intense moments. And you were just like very calmly asked for it. So no one like gave me any pushback, which was nice. I think I was expecting someone to recommend it, an epidural. Like I was waiting for someone so I didn't have to make that decision. Mm -hmm. But it was nice in the end that I did get to just calmly ask for it. But yeah, I kind of wanted someone to be like, maybe you should take it. And I'm like, you know what? You're probably right. Anyways, it didn't happen that way. (laughs) I got the epidural. The guy who administered it was really great professional. It didn't hurt. He said it went smoother than all the other ones. I don't know if he's just like talking me up in the moment, but um, <laughs> I don't know. My but my doula confirmed that it went we went really smooth, and they don't always go that smooth. So that was nice. I got to rest for like four, five more hours, and then you know they obviously give you some. Pitocin and stuff to like mm-hmm. progress it, which, but they had like the lights dim. We had our twinkle lights still on. Yes. You know, it still was like really nice. And then the midwife who did deliver Charlie 
was really hands off and kept the lights low, which is not normal. I just didn't know what to expect for this because it wasn't obviously in Birthland. But talking to my doula, she's like, that's not usually how it goes. They're usually bust in, like lights on, like they'll even be in there. But she was just like, push again. And she showed up on our due date at 2.24 in the morning. So that was her one gift to me, I think, <laughs> was... I really liked her due date. I was like, I don't want her to be born on the 13th. So she was born June 14th, 2022. That's and that's awesome. it. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so how do you feel like afterwards? Because I know a lot of people, it takes them a little bit to get over the fact that this was my plan and this is what happened and they feel disappointed. Do you feel any of that or did you have to get through that at all? Yeah, I would say luckily in my like early postpartum days, I was really grateful. I love, I really loved my birth story and I still do. But what I'm saying is after a while, I started thinking about it more. And I was like, if I would have only done blah, blah, or like, I bet I could have stayed home a bit longer. I know my anxiety got the best of me if I didn't get in the, in the tub. Like, I don't know. So you second guess your actions. And I started to do that, but like later on, yeah, I would say there's a little bit of it, but it wasn't initially, which I was expecting actually. Cause like other friends of mine were like, it took me a long time, like immediately postpartum to get over that. And I was, I just, and maybe just cause you, I didn't have time to think about it, <laughs> but it's funny too. Cause for as I think emotional person as I am and like I was so almost like robotic whenever she first was born. Like my husband was like, you didn't cry. And like, I was like, baby on boob, uh, skin to skin. I better go. I need to pee because if I don't pee, I'm going to get a catheter. Like I was just like so medical for those first like two days. But then obviously the baby blues hit and whoa, those are insane. I had really like happy baby blues, I guess, which is another thing I wasn't expecting. There's so many things. You hear baby blues as these intense feelings and that, yeah, you're crying. But I was crying because I was so happy. Like I I ate into my neighbors all made us like a meal train and I bit into this enchilada on like day seven. And I was like, everyone is so nice here. We're so lucky. Like, (laughs) yeah, I cried a lot, but (laughs) it is absolutely insane what hormones can do to somebody and this kind of is a great segue into fourth trimester because Mm -hmm. I feel like the fourth trimester is not talked about very much and there's not a lot of education prior to it happening it's very much hands-on learning And that's something that I wish was more talked about. I think there's a lot of public floor PTs that are, if they can get their clients before they, before birth or before issues, they're starting to do it. I just spoke with my friend who's a chiropractor who also likes to schedule that first visit within that first week postpartum to start talking about all those things. But just like you said, the emotions are high. You're not sleeping at all your body's changing even more rapidly. I mean, cause with pregnancy, your body's changing, but it's like, uh, it takes 10 months to slowly yeah. change, you know? Right. And yeah. with that fourth trimester, it's like your milk's in, in three days, you know, like That's everything, so everything's changing. So let's kind of talk a little bit about that, how you dealt with that, maybe things that were surprising or maybe, maybe things that were maybe a challenge or something that you 
you feel like you did well with? Yeah, I can. I mean, I could talk about this forever, but I'll keep it short. (laughs) My husband and I had planned it to be just the two of us for two weeks straight, which I would do over again, 100%. At least for me, I was a new mom who felt like I needed more baby time to get to know my baby. I was breastfeeding too, which I think also makes a difference. Like, so, but even after two weeks, I was like, I, I still need this. Like if you need to do anything for me, it is to just still feed me, maybe hold her while I go to the bathroom and stuff. But I mean, I was like a little bit selfish at that time. Not even though she was nursing around the clock. And I mean, there's no way that I couldn't have had her most of the day anyways. I think things that surprise me come from a lot of the sayings that are out there that I, so for example, sleep when the baby sleeps, just, I mean, it just literally should never be said because it's not something that can actually happen because I didn't have the baby that slept well at all. She was more of the like cat napper, like I never had to wake her up. They're like, oh, make sure you wake a baby up to nurse them. Don't let them sleep longer than three hours. And so those, those were some of the expectations also that I had. And I was like, that also was not the baby that I had. And that's not to say that there aren't babies that are like that. And maybe I was just had my blinders on to some of the advice to prepare myself for this, this baby. <laughs> maybe someone did say they're never going to sleep. They'll only take 45 minute naps and I just didn't want to hear it but I'm pretty good about like keeping my expectations middle ground and even my middle ground expectations were like out the window <laughs> so that was one then another one is like you'll know your baby best like moms know best you know your baby best I'm like I don't know this baby at all and I mean that was like after like three months so I just felt it was a lot harder looking back on it than I think I realized in the moment I was pretty self-aware to like know if I was really going down some sort of postpartum anxiety depression but I was probably borderline (laughs) and I think that had a lot to do with it coupled with just just sleep deprived exhaustion like there's just like nothing to describe it or prepare you for that you can't really be prepared that's my experience and like let's just say another mom maybe she knows all of those things but She has a very different medical thing that went on with her, you know, like Mm -hmm, there's mm -hmm. just, it's really true when it's like, it isn't talked about enough. I think having, I think experiences and anything you can get out of a new mom is like the best way for you to prepare, but also you need to understand that will 100% not be your experience. Right. Everyone is so different. Yeah. I know. I think we're really good about managing everything, the two of us, but I think it was just not being prepared and like thinking I was failing. I think the internet's another culprit of that. Well-intentioned people trying to give advice, give sample sleep schedules or this and that, or seeing new moms with like a sleeping baby picture. I'm like, my like baby literally does not happily stay there with her eyes open. <laughs> like I had a colleague colicky baby too though so that was the biggest challenge so but I think comparison was another and social media makes it hard to not compare Mm -hmm. (laughs) in this day if you could give someone encouragement that is maybe in week two or three what is something you'd say to her or to yourself if you could speak back to yourself yeah 
I think the advice that I heard over and over again that was helpful is number one, that you're doing a good job. It's really hard not to give advice to a mom. So like you said, like, what's the advice you would give? Like you almost don't want it and you arguably don't need it, but it's hard not to see like your friend or your daughter or your, you know, someone drowning and like wanting all these answers. I think first and foremost, always tell them they're doing a good job. Mm -hmm. You're you're the best mom for your baby. Remind yourself that there's literally millions of people doing the exact same thing in the exact same moment and like everyone making it work. <laughs> like you're not alone, even though you're sitting in your house by yourself and that it is a phase. Hearing that it's a phase though, when you're at two weeks, it's not that I didn't like that advice. It's just hard to see the light at the end of the time when it's so early But it is helpful because once that phase ends, then you do get into the other phase because there's more phases. You do realize that it ends. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We're still in phases. Exactly. Until, yeah. And for eternity, it doesn't get easier. It just gets different. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's not what you hear when you're in the trenches. But I think once it dawns on you, you're like, because I started thinking, I'm like, what's the next step? Like, what am I really like needing right now? Like, okay, let's just say she starts start sleeping better. Like when she turns one, I'm going to, you know, when she was a daycare, like my new worries are like, she's going to daycare now. Like, is she being taken care of well there? And then when they're a little bit older, like, does she have friends? But I don't know. Does she have good self-confidence? Like you're just, it doesn't stop. <laughs> it doesn't stop. So yeah, it never stops. It gives you much greater respect for your parents. I know. Yeah. I always think about that. I think, man, I realize now like some of the mom anxiety or the mom guilt that parents have. Yeah. I think always telling a new mom though that she's doing a good job is the first thing that should come out of your mouth. No, I think that's great encouragement. That's, I feel like what we need to hear more of is kind of those uh, examples of what to say to somebody. What would be something maybe you could think of that was helpful that maybe other people did for you? Something like you said, the meal train, a lot of people reach out and say, I'll help you in any way. Let me know. But as a new mom, sometimes you don't know what to ask for, right? Is there something that you can think of that people could ask for? That's just really like clear boundaries. (laughs) I know there's things for me that I wanted, especially after kid two, and you kind of have to be clear and a little bit, it's not mean, it's just people that don't have kids don't understand maybe yet. Yeah. Uh, but what is something maybe people could ask for, or like if someone poses that question to a new mom, what could they say in response that might be helpful for them? I think you need to decrease decision fatigue for a new mom. So, but also know what you're good at. You offer options instead of like, I'm going to come over and do this. Say I have time tomorrow. Like I'd love if I stop by, um, can I drop food off on your porch if you have time, I can clean your house. Or if not, I'll just leave it on, you know, whatever, like, and if they have a partner, ask the partner, and not the mom. That's another yeah, that's thing. Really, that is good. I think shooting the text to the mom about how good they're doing and how congratulating them, all that stuff. So they don't feel alone. Cause a lot of people would reach out to Doug and I'm like, I didn't even know, like, you know, so-and-so is around or when did they show up or whatever. So, so the mom doesn't feel lonely, but ask them, but I would say options like, can I do this? And I'd love to come clean your house. What's a good day? Stuff like that. But I would say cleaning, food, holding the baby so you can take a shower. Because the mom's not going to trust everybody either, you know? So right, right. You don't want to make it too awkward to be like, no, that's okay. 
and you shouldn't take offense to that either because I had weird anxieties of like, like no one was allowed to walk out on our front concrete patio with a baby. Like it just, I don't know. Like I couldn't get the, I just couldn't get it out of my head watching her like fall onto the, it doesn't make any sense. It's most likely a hundred percent not going to happen, but I was just like, you can't walk and hold the baby. I just like said it out loud, like randomly one day. And I was like, yeah. So anyways, I would say options. But I would say cleaning food, hold them so they have time to do something else. I would definitely agree with those things. I liked your idea about having those first two weeks, just you two, because I feel like so many times people have someone stay with them. And sometimes that's a little bit overwhelming. Sometimes it is good to kind of learn just as that family unit, uh, you and your partner to kind of, like you said, get to know the baby and just learn the routine. I mean, and it's going to change all the time, but just to kind of get familiar with it before somebody else has to enter the picture. I do really like the idea of asking for something specific or having your partner respond. But like you said, like, just come do a load of laundry for me. That would be so helpful or just drop off a pizza or a (laughs) enchiladas on the front steps, whatever it is, something that can be fed to me while I'm holding the baby (laughs) because I remember those days where like you're holding and literally Josh would help me get bites because your hands are full. You're learning how to do it all, especially first time moms. It's, it's, uh, it's a lot. I know. I I thought like soups would be good, but I was like, yeah, I couldn't even, I was like, I was a nervous wreck though. I was like, I can't eat a boiling hot soup. Like that's over my baby. Yeah. I drink my coffee like through a straw and I was like, yeah, you can't have open coffee and hold the baby in a (laughs) rocking chair. I was just like. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I had too. I had some of the anxiety afterwards. It was more so I would get nervous about nighttime because I knew the baby wasn't going to sleep and Mm -hmm. I was going to be up again. I was already up all day. So every time around 6 PM, I would start feeling this anxiety come on me. And that's, that, that's important stuff to talk about. I believe, you know, that that, that happens. What does it mean to you to be living in your legacy? Yeah. This is interesting. I feel like I actually had a meeting with my manager who just, she's leaving. And um, she made a point where she's like, I think I've lived and done her jobs. You know, she's worked as a nurse in different shifts, you know, PRN or nights or whatever, you know, for a long time. And then she started working at the job that Jill and I both have. And then she, then she started to become a manager and now she's leaving. So she kind of made no reference to like, she always was in the right job for the right phase of her life. And I was like, you know, I think that's what it means. And like, I think that kind of like resonated with me in the sense that like, I look back, I think living your legacy is like feeling really confident in either what you're doing or what you're going to be doing in life, I guess. And it doesn't mean like you have a plan. It doesn't mean you're going to succeed in the exact goal that you put at the top of your list. But I think to me, just, just being confident in what you're doing and how you're doing it or how you're going to get there. For example, like i did four years of college with nothing to show, you know, I didn't get a professional degree or whatever. After that, I got a general, you know, culmination of the hours that I spent there to get a certificate. 
And it never really bothered me, you know, I don't think it really bothered my parents, but, and then after that, I took like what maybe you would call a gap year, but it was between that and grad school. And then I went to grad school and then I had, you know, got my PT job, which was kind of like my dream PT job. And, but then I was like over Columbia, Missouri. And I was like, I'd really like to live in either like New York or California. Well, then I met my husband and then we moved out to California and And then three years after that, we're moving to Nashville. And I would say, like, had I not had the career that I had, those moves either wouldn't be possible or or would have been less, more stressful, maybe. Like, um, I knew I could go get another job. So, you know, I think that's that's kind of what I mean. And then whenever I, you know, got out of it and started working from home, it's obviously been very beneficial for having a baby (laughs) like the time I get to take off there and so that's that's kind of how I feel like living your legacy is yeah I feel like I'm getting out of that phase you know I have a a almost five-year-old and a two-year-old and I was really kind of I don't want to say lost in motherhood because that sounds negative but like that's that was been my focus for five years you know has been being mom learning how to be a mom And I finally, this year, you have really felt like, okay, I can handle something else now too. I can kind of get a little bit of myself back and not, not necessarily the myself that was before kids. It's a new myself. And I'm learning like who I am now in this phase, just like you said, it's kind of like the right time, the right position for the right time in your life. And I feel like, I feel like a lot of moms struggle with wanting to be who they were before. Mm-hmm. and finding the balance of their new values, their new priorities, still making time for themselves, but it might be in, in new ways. And I think that's that's a journey that we all have to go on. Yeah. I feel like it took me a while to get there. <laughs> and I feel like that's that's kind of what inspired this podcast was really to bring awareness maybe to that period of time in in someone's life, as far as being a mom and being the best mom you can be, but also having a dream and chasing that dream. Yeah. Um, Prioritizing yourself, putting yourself first sometimes because for how many years or, you know, for you, it's going to be a little while, but like that baby comes first and that's how, that's how that's it. There's no other way around it. But at some point it's like, okay, what can I do? What, how do I want to better myself? How do I want to, what do I want to show to Charlie Yeah, that I'm taking care of myself and this is how I want to be treated by other people. And this is the role that I'm going to pick for that. And I just feel like that's, it's a weird transitional phase, but it's, it's a, it's a cool one. Yeah, for sure. One of my other mom friends was like, I am. I'm a different mom than I was before I had kids. Meaning you think you're going to be this type of mom and then you have kids and you're like, no, that's not. And I would say it's like probably unrealistic because you, you're not in charge of what kind of mom you're going to be. And just like you're the situation you're in, like, you know, let's just say we won the lottery and didn't have to work again. Well, that would be, I'd be a very, probably there'd be some things that would be better maybe some things that would be worse it would just be different Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. it's fun it's exhausting I mean I'm only six months like you said it I don't know that there's probably like a time where you come to that new realization (laughs) like it could be now it could be and it'll change but yeah it's really 
crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> to become it a is. mom, you're just like part of this club that like is a humongous club, but like how much variety there is. Yeah. Do you notice anything now that you can already see as far as like things that you value or things that you want that are different now that you're a mom? Yeah, this is interesting. I don't know. I haven't felt different from like a work standpoint because so my philosophy has always been I would like to work as little as possible and make as much money, you know, and relatively speaking as possible. You know, when I was paying off debt, I needed to make a lot of money. So I worked a lot and I I like liked my job. I didn't love my job, but I was just really trying to not work. (laughs) I guess is going to what else. So that hasn't really changed. I'm working to provide for my family now that we don't have debt to pay off. Well, that's a big chunk of money that I don't need. And so I really am like, I don't need to work and make a bunch of money. So like, what could I do? Like, I would honestly, like if money weren't a thing at all. Like now we have a mortgage and a baby. Like there are certain things you do have to maintain, but yeah, I was like, I could, I would be happy as a plan. Like working at the YMCA is like the front desk person, you know, like before my, so I guess it did change. Like before I was like chasing maybe more money. Maybe if I got promotions, I would get also more money and maybe some more prestige a little bit, but also what are you learning in healthcare is it doesn't matter what title you have. Like healthcare is tough and mm-hmm. a lot of people it's a lot of times a thankless job, no matter what title you have, whether it's doctor, mm-hmm. CNA. So yeah, that's long true. story short. Yeah. I think that's something that maybe has changed. Like I'd like to just get the job that makes me happy mm-hmm. until maybe I don't need to work anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Cause the goal is yeah. always just to like spend more time with my family. Correct. Yep, <laughs> yep. Do you want to touch any more on your debt-free journey? Yeah. So I did mention when I say, you know, living your legacy and like doing things that felt right in the moment, well, what felt right now, 10 years ago was, let me just gather a bunch of debt so I can go to school because I'll get a job and I'll pay it off. Like it wasn't dumb. It wasn't dumb because I'm still using my degree. I did get a job. I think grad school taught me a lot. I feel really educated. I don't know. You know, all these good things came from it, but obviously like just started piling on. I had like zero plan of actually paying it off in a timely fashion until I was like, oh, maybe I'll do the student loan forgiveness program, which would have been 10 years where I'd like have to have a job and like do all these things. I was like, that's not really going to work either. So luckily my husband is like very organized and wanted to go on that journey with me because even when we first got married, I was like, no, it's my debt. Like I'll, I'll pay it off. I'm like, well, that's silly. Like we're both making, like, this is just silly. And so anyways, it, I would say in like two years, we paid off. Like, I hate the number cause it's really, really high, but it was like $160,000 or something. So that's what we did. That's, <laughs> and that <was> like a lot. <laughs> that's impressive though. I mean, yeah. to, you guys were shoveling through that yeah well I mean half our income I haven't thought about it in such a long time because we've been debt-free as far as well debt-free I guess yeah we never really had enough any other debt besides student loans way say that so I haven't thought about it but yeah it was half of our income like always always went to to it which if you were to again talk to me and as a 20 something year old I was like 
you can't live like that. <laughs> right. But I think as a sing, I do think luckily there was two of us as a single person that would be, it's not impossible, but it would have taken a lot longer. And it, would, it would have been a lot harder because yeah. someone was in it with me. Like we didn't do anything. Like we literally just spent all of our time together. We didn't spend money doing anything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You have a very similar story to Josh and I, he had no debt to his name. And I came in with about 150,000 from PT school and yeah, it took, it took some discipline to learn how to do it. It seems like such a simple thing, but it's not easy. No. <laughs> um, yeah. You're just not raised that way. Like, I don't think I was like done with money outside of student loans. Like I didn't again, have any other debt, but I was, it was dawning on me all these things. I was like, well, my car's old. Like I'm going to need a new car. I guess I'll have a car payment. You know, like, I think that's kind of how it would have snowballed into more mm-hmm. of it. So but yeah, now that we have our emergency fund, like things just feel good. But I will say also having more money is sometimes difficult too. Like when we have the same goal of paying it off, I think there was less to discuss. And then afterwards, we're like, he wants to have new goals and he's a saver and or he wants to do all these renovations. I'm like, what are we no, we're supposed to have, like, fun now, like, some fun, like, I'm not talking about, like, going crazy, but, like, so, yeah, I mean, it, it it's good, but it, be prepared for that, I guess, <laughs> if you haven't had to deal with having excess money, there are some cons, I will say. Right, yeah, having that common goal is, is bonding in a way, you know? Yeah, for sure. There are no other questions, it just goes to debt. <laughs> I know. And then you're done. I mean, what, what a cool feeling. Yeah. Did you do anything special when you guys paid it off? I mean, we did take a trip that we already had planned because mm-hmm. we kind of knew we were going to be done at months, such and mm-hmm. such. We actually paid it off a month earlier. So we did go on a trip, but it was like, I think you might be able to recognize once you've been saving for so much, it was like, it was hard to do something for yourself or for like one specific thing. So of course our trip was to celebrate this, celebrate this. And it was like, you know, we have to capture it all because this is the like culmination the of yeah, celebrations. Like, yeah. Might be the only trip we'll go on this year. When So it was a trip, but it wasn't like, oh, this is like a defining thing that we're doing to celebrate. No, no. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for showing up today and being authentically you. The most costly thing you can do is be yourself. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks, Jim. See ya. <laughs> yeah. See you later. Bye, Carly. <laughs> Bye. I hope you guys enjoyed that episode. There is something so empowering about talking with other women about this transition into mamahood. I could seriously do this all day. Please share this episode with a friend. And if you haven't already done so, get on the email list so we can have more of a two-way conversation. I'll put the link down in the show notes below. My mission is to encourage you in that whatever season you are in, you can live with purpose and fulfillment. I want every mama to feel empowered with the ability to create change in order to be living your best life. A wonderful, free, and easy way to support this podcast is to follow and subscribe. What that does for you is bookmarks this podcast at the top of your page, wherever you listen to your podcast. It will also update to show you the latest episode released. What that does for me is it gives me the chance to be ranked in the podcast charts. Please also leave a star rating or a review. Not only does this help boost the credibility of the podcast, it also helps new listeners get a better understanding of the show. Plus, it gives me feedback on how I can make the show more enjoyable for all of you. There is a chance that I may read your review on a future episode.
As a reminder, new episodes will be posted every Thursday. If you're interested at all on being on the podcast, please check out jillgsutton.com slash podcast. I'd love to have you on the show. Your voice can change the world.